Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to this episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I'm going to talk about teenagers. And if you don't have teenagers, don't worry, because you will have teenagers. And what I always say to parents is, you know, the Connected Parenting method, this way of being with our children, it's really a philosophy, much more than just strategies, um, prepares you to be the parent of teenagers. And I call it teen whispering. I, I actually feel very strongly having worked with teens and, and younger kids, but teens, especially for many, many years, over 30 years, this is the only way to talk to a teenager with deep listening, using the calm technique, being fully present and aware um, of how they are feeling and that they process life through their emotions Later, as they become adults, they will process it through um, the thinking part of their brain. But as teenagers, everything goes through the feeling part of their brain uh, to, to quite a large extent. So for a lot of parents who have teenagers, they're like, I don't know what happened. My child was so sweet and they were on my lap and they were showing me things and they were asking me in my opinion. And all of a sudden the door is slammed and they don't want to talk to me and get out and you don't know anything. And it's an almost an overnight switch sometimes. And it can be quite a shock. Um, you can feel very sad about that. There can be some grieving that goes along with that. Um, as you try to figure out how to parent this person who is withdrawn and angry. So there's a number of things to understand about the teenage brain and their world that I wanted to talk about in this episode. So here's a few things that I think are really important to know about teenagers. First of all, that they're not many adults. Their brain is completely different from ours. It is under construction. It is being developed. And teenagers can be wonderful and intelligent and fun to talk to and have emerging opinions. And it's so exciting to see them turn into um, the person that they're going to become, but that is very much a work in progress. Um, and sometimes parents get very panicked and think, oh, how their kid is at 14 or 15 or 16 is a rep representation of who they're going to be later. And that's just not true. They, there is so much more development, so much more learning and growth that needs to happen. You cannot judge who your kid is going to be by how they look when they're 14. So first things first, um, there've been a number of studies that have shown that the teenage brain is very different. So for example, um, they have done studies where they show um, adults pictures of facial expressions. And then they ask the adults, you know, what do those facial expressions mean? And the adults are pretty good at it. Oh, that's anger. That's disappointment. That's shame. Um, pretty good they show them to teenagers and teenagers are way off the mark, like way off the mark. They see anger that's not there. They see judgment that's not there. They see sadness when there's no sadness. And what it shows is that teenagers actually process the world through the limbic brain. So the limbic brain is the part of the brain that's the security system of the brain. It just decides, will that kill me or not? Uh, everything is around safety. Um, everything is filtered through fight, flight, or freeze. 
Um, and that's the limbic brain. Then there's the frontal lobe. That's the part of the brain that inhibits and organizes and prioritizes and takes perspective and, um, you know, kind of the CEO of the brain, the kind of uh, the higher thinker of the brain that kind of takes things apart and, and sees them in context. That takes a very long time to develop that part of the brain that takes over 25 years um, to grow. And so teenagers are trying to manage all the, the things that they're exposed to in life by running it through the limbic system, through the emotional part of the brain, which is why conversations with teenagers are so charged. They're so difficult. They're so painful. They're so emotional. They're so angry. Um, you know, they're up one minute, they're down the next, it's everything's your fault and everything's terrible and nothing's ever going to work. And then 20 minutes later, they're in a pretty good mood and everything's fine. And it's a whirlwind sometime, um, you know, arguing with a 14 year old is mind boggling. You don't even know what's happening in that conversation. It is wild. Um, and it is also why many teenagers see their parents, not really as people, <laughs> they see them as, you know, drivers and, cooks and nurses and tutors and ATM machines and all of those other things. And it's why the teenagers can be very um, painful sometimes, certainly for the teenager, but, but also for the parents, it, it tends to be a really, really challenging time. But if you understand um, what's happening in the brain, it'll help you not to take these things quite so personally. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is that, that teenagers are emotional beings. Everything is run and filtered through the feeling part of the brain first, which is why they're all over the place and why not getting invited to something is absolutely the end of their social life. And that's it. And, or why everything is so terrible. And then the next minute things are okay. It's why they're constantly on this roller coaster. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that I think is really important to understand is there's no such thing as adolescence it's really a Western phenomenon. Um, Gabor Mate and Dr. Gordon Neufeld talk about this um, in their book, Hold On To Your Kids. And it's, and, there, and you know, there's lots of other research about this, but the teen, being a teenager is, is what, first of all, that, that term was coined in the 1950s. Before that, there wasn't even a term for it. And in most parts of the world, there's no such thing as a teenager. You're a kid, a child, and then you're an apprentice adult. And your job is to um, be absorbed into the adult community, to um, be part of that world, to be accepted by the adults in that world, to prove that you belong there. And through there, through, through that experience, you're getting mentorship, you're getting connection, you're getting guidance from elders, not just your parents, but from a whole community around you. And that's really the way it's supposed to be. And now in our kind of modern world, um, things have shifted a lot. And you, you go back, you know, I don't know, 60 years, 80 years in our culture, um, it was much more common for kids to go to school till about the eighth grade. And then they would apprentice with their uncles or they would work alongside their aunts and, and, and mothers and help with childcare and cooking and all of the things that um, women were supposed to be doing back then. Um, but those were, the, there was mentorship there. There was connection there. And that's where you wanted to belong. You wanted to prove that you were an adult. You wanted to prove that you had a right to be there. And so there was this very strong connection, which actually mimics the brain. 
So the frontal lobe is the part of the brain that regulates and organizes and takes perspective and plans and shifts activities and all of that. Teenagers aren't quite ready to do that. The brain hasn't really developed um, that way. So it makes sense for kids to be absorbed into the adult community because there are people doing that for them while they're learning how to do it. And they're learning all the skills that they're going to need as adults so that when they have their own, um, when they, their frontal lobe fully develops, they can then be a frontal lobe for someone else. And that's really the, the model. So that hierarchy um, was really important uh, and, and still is in many, many ways. But that's kind of been lost uh, it, to a great degree, actually, in our culture in particular. So, you know, once, and I'm not saying kids shouldn't go to high school, but once all kids started going to high school, what started happening is they started losing that connection to the adult uh, world, to the adult community. They stopped trying to be part of that community and they oriented not to adults anymore, but to themselves, to each other. And what you have is a bunch of people walking around who don't have a fully formed frontal lobe all guiding each other. Now, what's really aggravated that even more um, over the last few years is social media. So now they're getting all of this messaging around what's important and what's beautiful and who likes what and what's real all through these rapid images, these likes and dislikes, um, sort of all of this um, self-marketed, this is what you know, being happy looks like. Um, and at a time when they, you know, you would think on the surface, there would be all of this connectivity, teenagers are lonelier and more lost and struggling more than ever before. Add um, the pandemic and being alone and isolated from their friends to the mix, and you've got a pretty wild combination. So we've sort of sold this bill of goods as parents that, oh, you know, teenagers don't want you, they're, they're going to just slam the door it don't want anything to do with you. And that's just how it's going to be. And then they'll emerge. But the truth is all of those behaviors are really attachment behaviors. That's why you see a lot of go away, come back. You're never here for me. You're always bugging me. Take me here. Don't take me anywhere. There's all of these um, really conflicting messages that you'll get from your teenager that are very confusing. And all of that is what I call the attachment dance. It's come here, go away. It's I need you. I love you. I need you to support me. I need your help, but I don't know how to ask for it. So I'm going to push it away and hope that you, you know, bang through that door and say, I love you. I'm not leaving no matter what you do. I'm here for you. And it's this crazy dance that you end up getting pulled into um, with your teens. Um, and, you know, they put, they will push away and they will push away hard. So the, the most important thing to remember during these teenage years is it is a tumultuous time where hormones are just going wild in the body. They've got all of this social media pressure. They have school pressures and getting into university and college pressure pressures or figuring out what they're gonna do for their lives kind of pressures. Um, and they have a brain that feels everything so much more intensely and sees things that aren't always there sees, you know, anger that's not always there, seems, sees resentment that's not always there or judgment when it's not always there, but it feels so real to them that they present that back to you. You then reject that and you end up in these crazy, um, frustrating uh, battles with your teenager. 
The other thing that's really important is as parents, our paradigm when we're dealing with our children is usually around safety and security, keeping our children safe because we know they don't have a fully formed frontal lobe. Their primary paradigm is freedom and sovereignty. How can I be free? How can I be my own person? How can I pull away from my parents and figure out who I am? And that's terrifying to do at the same time. They're, they're equally terrified to become adults, but absolutely wanting to become adults and proving that they are, and at the same time being terrified. So it's this really confusing um, kind of uh, quagmire that teenagers are in, which is why as parents, it's so hard to know how to guide them through this. So what a lot of us do as parents of teenagers is we hyperfunction, we overfunction, we nag like crazy. We really take the frontal lobe thing really far to the point where, um, you know, our kids come out of their room and they don't want to even approach us because we know, they know that we're going to be, oh, have you done the dishwasher? And what about that assignment you have? And don't have, don't you think you've been on your computer enough? And they, so we sort of come at them with these, um, inhibiting um, frontal lobe kind of activities, they get overwhelmed and go right back in their room and slam the door. Or don't try to tell me what to do. You're controlling me. You're crazy. Nobody other, nobody else's parents do this. You never leave me alone. I hate you. And you'll get into these really dark um, cycles with your teen, which are very painful for both of you. The other thing to know here, it, as we sort of sort of sort out this big picture is that the teenage brain actually has many more neurons in it. There are many more neurons in the teenage brain. So the brain um, will then sort of give itself a haircut. It will prune and clip and design that brain to suit the environment that that brain happens to be in. And not in that exact moment, but over time you know, what's trending. And that's, that's the brain kind of shapes itself for the things that it's faced with on a regular basis. Um, and because of that, uh, the brain reacts the environment um, in very, very different ways. So there are higher levels of serotonin in the teenage brain. So they get bored much faster. Everything's boring. Um, they need a lot more thrill to, to, um, get excited about things uh, than adults do. The teenage brain downgrades danger. And you, I, you know, if you think back to being 14 or 15, you can probably remember truly feeling with all your heart and soul, that will never happen to me. That's not going to happen to me. That's, that might happen to somebody else, but it's not going to happen to me. So there's a, there's a massive downgrading of danger. Now, this is exactly why we need our kids to stay connected to us. We want them to have peers and friends and be very connected to their um, people in their own age group, but we do want them to be really comfortably and solidly connected to the adults in their life, particularly parents, because we're the ones that are, are making good choices for them while their brain is de developing the ability to do that. Um, so here's the analogy that I like to give. So, you know, imagine... Uh, I don't know why I use so many uh, flight analogies, but anyway, here, here, here we go. Um, imagine that in the beginning, because this is how it works when you're raising your children. When they're really tiny, you're regulating for them. You're figuring out when they're hungry. You figure out you know, what they need to eat. You figure out when they need to go to sleep and when they need to go to bed and when it's time to play. You do that for them. You regulate for them. When they get a little bit older, you're regulating with them. 
Um, and for a long time, you're regulating with them. And even through the teenage years, you're regulating through them, although less than you would have had to when they were seven or eight or nine. And then eventually they're regulating on their own. And as parents, we have to know when it's time to kind of pull back a little bit. And so the analogy that I love is you know, in the beginning, you're flying the plane and the child is you know, strapped in in their seat, you know, and then eventually the child might, you know, sit in the jump seat in the, in the, um, in the cockpit with you and, and you're kind of explaining what's going on, but then, but you're doing it all. And then when they get a little older, maybe they're like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, they can sit in the co-pilot seat. And for a second, you might let them have the wheel, but for the most part, you're the one driving. And then when they get older, you know, you're letting them drive, you fly the plane for longer periods. And then eventually they're flying and you're in the co-pilot seat. Um, and, and that's sort of the later teenage years. And then eventually they're flying alone and you're the, you're the control tower, right? And then eventually they're doing transatlantic flights and just check in, checking in with you once in a while. And that's, that really is the analogy of, um, of parenting. That, that's the job. It's to slowly, slowly release, slowly back out of um, providing that regulation and knowing how to do that and knowing when to do that. And that part is really complicated. Um, but understanding um, how the teenage brain works and, and, and as personal as it feels sometimes, it can feel so incredibly painful. Understanding that they are a tangled neurological project in uh, underdevelopment. Um, and some days the brain is gonna fire and it's gonna be like, oh, they're pretty mature today. This is great. Wow. And other days they're going to act like toddlers and you're going to think, oh my goodness, where are we with this? Um, I talk about this more in the roadmaps to childhood, but there are also two um, stages in adolescence where, uh, well, for, for boys and for girls, um, where, you know, boys tend to go into what I call the caveman stage from 14 to about 17. And in that stage, talking is exhausting. Ooh, like there's not even words in their sentences. Sometimes they're even too lazy to call their friends. Showering is a lot of trouble. Um, coming out of their room is a lot of trouble. They tend to care very little about schoolwork during this phase. And it's a very worrisome phase where a lot of parents really see this as, this is how my child is. And these are the characteristics they're going to have as an adult. And how are they going to manage in the world if these are the skills that they have? And, and I'm not saying just sit back and it'll solve itself, but I don't want you to panic and think that this is a representation of who they're going to be. Because I've, having done this for 30 years and watching so many um, kids come out of that caveman phase where around 17, the frontal lobe starts to form a little bit. They start to care more about their schoolwork and get their homework done and college universities getting closer. And um, they just tend to be a little bit more organized and more serious and care about how they look and care about what they're eating and all of those things that you've been panicking about and nagging about start to happen on their own. So I really want parents to know that that is very much a stage and, you know, you want to do some nagging because you are a frontal lobe, um, but you also want to be understanding this is not an education necessarily of who they're going to be as adults. And they're learning how to do all this stuff. And what you don't want to do is erode the relationship during that time. So they completely associate with someone who's just annoying and drives them crazy all the time. So go back to some of the earlier episodes and, 
and listen to, again to how to use the calm technique, how that deep listening truly is medicine. And it releases oxytocin, which blocks cortisol and teenagers are literally stress balls. So the more uh, calm they feel when they're with you, the more loved they feel, the more seen and heard they feel, the better they're going to be able to navigate these really tumultuous years. And then for girls, it's you know, 12 to 13, actually 12 to 15, probably. So it starts a little bit earlier for them. And for them, I call it the ugh phase. It's like, oh, what? what do you want? And you're embarrassing and you're bothering them. And, you know, the door is closed and you're just constantly feeling like you're in their way and you're an annoyance and you're embarrassing and all of those things. And that can also be really hurtful. And for that can happen literally overnight sometimes. And again, you have to remember that the connection through that, you know, keeping up with the limbic bonding or the baby play, even though they're teenagers, they want it. They just don't know how to ask. They just don't know how to ask and staying absolutely as neutral as you possibly can. A lot of self-talk, reminding yourself that they are going through a lot, that they are emerging as adults, that you are, you know, doing that co-regulating with them, but you have to take your hands off the wheel sometimes. And then the last little message that I think is really important is that, you know, especially the earlier years for teenagers, those are the years they have to make mistakes. Um, you know, we have to take enough care so there's, they're safe and they're not, you know, fatal mistakes or you know, incredibly really dangerous mistakes, but they do have to try things and they do have to fail. Um, that's the time to not rescue them too much, too much in school academically. Let them figure out what happens if they don't study. Let them figure out what happens if you leave an assignment to the very last minute when you're rushing in and doing it for them. All they're learning is, huh, that worked can do that next time. Right. So, so allowing them to kind of figure out and navigate who they are, um, and, and who they're going to be in this world, um, somewhere in there is your baby, I promise. And they love you like crazy. You know, people talk about, you know, when teenagers seek help or, or, you know, go to therapy that, you know, they're talking about major issues, drugs and, stress and sex and dating and all those things. And of course those conversations happen, but I have to tell you as a, as a therapist, the majority of what they talk about in their sessions is you, <laughs> their relationship with their parents, how, how loved they feel, how understood they feel, um, how valued they feel. These are very important things. And, you know, you can't follow your teenager to parties. That's weird, but you have to go with them um, to those parties, to those settings in your, in their heart so that you're, you're, you're carried with them. You know, if you have a big fight with your child, when you're dropping them off somewhere and they walk into a party and someone says, Hey, try this. They're going to be like, yeah, give it to me. Cause they're angry. They're hurt. They're trying to establish who they are in opposition to you. Um, but if you've had a great drive there, or you've had a good evening before they go and you're, they're feeling loved and they're feeling, secure in that love and they're feeling seen and they're feeling valued, they're going to go to that party. Someone's going to offer them something and they're going, eh, no thanks. Or they'll take a little bit and be like, yeah, that's enough. Um, and they will really, um, there'll be a very strong um, thought process of, I don't want to do that to my mom. I wouldn't want to do that to my dad. I'm, I'm not interested in that. I don't need to do that. Um, especially with addiction. What we're beginning to understand is the antidote to addiction is connection. So the more connected your teen feels to you, the more understood they feel, the more neutral in a loving way that you are with them, the more they're able to, um, to resist um, 
you know, addictive things, in, including drugs, but but certainly video games and everything else that this world is 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 flinging at them at this time. So there's so much more to this. Uh, you know, it's hard in in sort of the shorter podcasts to really bring you all the information that you need. But that, you know, there's a lot through my other podcasts. Go back and listen to the earlier ones. That's really important. If you really want to deep dive into the teen years, um, check out the Connected Parenting course. It's, it's an amazing journey. It's everything I teach parents when I sit in front of them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, there's two versions of that. You can just have the video, which by the way, you have for life. I, I want to know, I want parents to know that they have that. It doesn't disappear after a certain amount of time. You have that to watch over and over again, which people are. Um, so is that just the video version or there's the, the version where you can join the Facebook community and uh, be part of the coaching calls uh, that I'm on where I'm inter interacting directly with people and supporting them and helping through them through their parenting journey. So um, thank you for listening. Please um, join me again for our next episode. Parenting is certainly not the hardest job you will ever, ever do. And I'm doing everything I can to put as much information out there to make that journey as easy for you as possible. So we'll see you next time.